So, Katerina, what does trust mean for you? I view trust as a transaction that reflects the social glue that we have between each other. Social glue. Well, we talk about that a bit later, right? Yes. All right. Well, look, welcome to Urgoigo's Communication Intelligence uh, podcast with Katerina Gospic and me, Saul Cambridge. Welcome, Katerina. Thank you very much. Katerina Gospic, MD, PhD, MSc, a background as a phy- physiologist. Uh, it's easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> A rocket-propelled stellar career which flies ever higher. Uh, it's lovely to have you uh, with us today. Highlights include your groundbreaking brain, brain research, awards, published works, a media regular, and much more. But now blossoming as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. especially working with the latest technologies in education, health, property technology, a mission for the greater good of all. I reckon. My (laughs) word's not yours, but I got the sense of that from you. So welcome to the podcast team. Thank you. honestly lovely. Now, one of your strengths, I heard, is making difficult things easy to understand. Yes. (laughs) You can help me here. A physiologist, just in simple English, what's that all about? What is a physiologist? So that's uh, about learning how, for example, the different organs in the body work and how they communicate with each other. So it's more, it's beyond the brain, it's the whole body. Yes, and it's also about when the body is healthy. Okay. So physiology is is kind of about health and pathology is when this balance is perturbed. Okay. Because the MD element of your um, expert acronyms is medical doctor, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now then. You've done some award-winning or groundbreaking brain research. So yes. Just say a little bit about that. Like, how, how did you end up getting into that? Uh, so it was actually a dream uh, since childhood. And uh, when I was very little, around four, and this is one of my first memories, uh, I thought a lot about how things could pop up in my mind. Uh, so I was inspired by Lucky Luke, if you know the no. cartoon. No, okay. Oh, you don't know the cartoon? No. Oh, so there is this cartoon called Lucky Luke, and it's a cowboy, and he can actually pull his gun faster than his shadow. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. So uh, what I thought was interesting was, like, if I thought of a strawberry, could I kind of make it pop up super quickly so I could feel the process of how it would pop up? Uh, But I couldn't really. It's like if you close your eyes and you think of a strawberry, it's just there. Uh, So that's how my interest started uh, around the brain. But of course, I didn't know uh, the word brain. One of my first memories, so this was what I did kind of in the bathroom, you know, uh, when you were waiting for your parents to get the towel or whatever. So This is so humbling. (laughs) I mean, I I was running around climbing trees and kicking footballs. (laughs) And you're thinking about early neuroscience and the brain. All right. So... (laughs) But as I understand it, uh, Katerina, the, the, that so the interest in the brain and the processes and so on, that, that ended up uh, feeding into a PhD, I think, your, uh, your published yeah. paper. So, so first it kind of started uh, with becoming a medical doctor because when I was young, I just knew the word uh, doctor, you know, and uh, I thought that was the way I could study how things work. Uh, but then this had always been my interest, so that's why I wanted to get into brain research. 
So when you were growing up, if we go, if we just stay with those childhood years, yes. those early years that you obviously remember so fondly yes. and powerfully, yeah. um, what were your dreams for career paths and, and that? Because it, it all sounds very mature thinking for a young talent. Yeah. What were you dreaming of as a career path at that time? So I would say I was, I, I've always been super curious. So I just want to learn everything. And when it came to the body, and this might sound a bit disgusting, but I was very interesting. Like if I um, dropped a tooth, for example, yeah. I like to look at it, you know, under a lamp to just see the structures. And the same thing with like nails or if you had a bit of skin and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just liked to look at things. Uh, so... I was thinking about the world today, for example, mm -hmm. <clears throat> even in the context of trust, you know, yeah. the social media, mainstream media, mm -hmm. the world around us. I mean, where do we start? <laughs> electricity <laughs> crisis, food prices rocketing. There's issues with work, education, health, downsizing, new skilling, the Ukraine situation, of mm -hmm. course. You could argue uh, a destabilized USA, but let's not get political here. Mm-hmm. As for my home country, <laughs> well, there's a story. Uh, enough about Brexit, maybe. Yeah. Um, but seriously, the, it raises all sorts of questions for so many people about um, who do we trust? Yeah. Um, where is the truth these days? Um, and what happens to us all when there's a sense of trust is at stake? You know, trust is jeopardised. Yeah. Does that make sense as a Swedish lady? Yes, <laughs> for sure. So today the big theme is trust. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, let's just take a little sort of a deeper dive. Um, within the brain, mm -hmm. within our conscious self, yes. at least, um, where do we find the, the trust button, if that's an okay metaphor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think we could start in kind of decision making uh, because... What really guides our decisions is that we want to approach things that are nice or rewarding. Uh, and the part in the brain that's responsible for that is the ventral stratum or stratum to simplify. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we try to stay away from everything that's unpleasant. And uh, the structure that's responsible for that is amygdala. So that's our primitive emotional structure that we share with uh, rats, snakes, lizards and stuff like that. So then we have, when we want to approach something like chocolate or nice people, it's <coughs> stratum. And when we, you know, are presented to broccoli and <laughs> mean people, we try to stay away. And uh, we could apply this type of thinking on trust as well. Okay. So when we feel like in terms of making a transaction, would I like to trust you with my money? Mm -hmm. Of course, I want you to be a nice person that I could approach. Uh, so then the reward structure takes part in that. Whereas if you uh, uh, seem a bit dodgy or doing something weird, maybe I don't want to give you my money. And then it's kind of amygdala telling me that there is some sort of danger. Lovely. Yeah, really nicely explained. So so we have the stratum and the amygdala. These yes. are the two sort of stars of the show at the moment there. Yeah. Um, if it was an arm wrestle between them, like if it came mm -hmm. to the crunch, yeah. it, 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 does one win every time? I mean, you know, it, are we more rooted in fear and vulnerability? Is, is that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, there is a greater survival value in listening to amygdala because it's much more important to know who can kill you yeah. rather than knowing who you can laugh with. 
Uh, so in that sense, uh, I would say that amygdala wins. And it's the same thing when it comes to losses. So if you lose money, that hurts so much more than if you win the same type of, of uh, or the same amount of, of money. And again, that's to train us to stay away from things that are dangerous, uncomfortable, unpleasant, and so on. Thinking about this uh, deep-rooted sort of ancient uh, purpose of amygdala, yeah. in a sense for survival, as, as I've understood you. Yeah. So I, I certainly get that if we go back 10, 15,000 years, that, yeah. that would make perfect sense to mm. hunter-gatherers or whatever. Mm. Is, it, is it also true of modern man? I mean, is amygdala as important today as 15,000 years ago? Uh, for sure. Okay. But sometimes, uh, for example, um, I would say that uh, in today's modern world, and especially when it comes to media, where it's all about clicks, it's part of the business model, uh, the amygdala is hijacked. So mm. then it might not serve us as well. But if we come to these um, uh, caveman principles in terms of shall I trust you or not, uh, it's very good to listen to your amygdala. So the sort of background operating system is, is the same? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and also we could add a player... Um, into this boxing game and it's the frontal lobe. So the frontal lobe could be viewed as a parent, you know, that could tell these two structures like, okay, stop fighting, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. now I need to think long term, you know, yeah. even though I might not like you so much, maybe I could, um, from a theoretical point of view, still see the value in trusting you, for example. Super. So yeah, we could override that type of impulse. You're, get, you're getting me interested in brain science here. <laughs> you are. Right. Now, thinking about trust. I've heard you say in the past, yeah. but you're going to have to help me and maybe others here. Yeah. There are three pillars of trust. Yeah. A memorable phrase. I've heard you say it. Yeah. Uh, would you mind just taking us through? I'm thinking the first one was competence. Correct. Right. Uh, so imagine that you're stepping into a helicopter, uh, and then you're up in the air and it's a bit scary. And then the pilot tells you it's his first day at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how this thing works, but no. let's give it a go. <laughs> it's like, oh God, yeah. you know, <laughs> there is turbulence. Okay. So in yeah. terms of trust, <clears throat> maybe, or at least I wouldn't feel as comfortable as if I was sitting there with someone who had been doing this every day for 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, competence. Yeah. Um, how, how would that, um, if we talk about, say, um, business leaders, for example, mm. you know, um, are we advising them that there's that element of showing that sort of expert, mature competence? Yeah. Uh, rather like the helicopter pilot, like not having just stepped off uh, flying school. I, yeah. I think it's always good to be anchored uh, within uh, the field that you're working with. So you have some sort of knowledge. But then if you are a leader, for example, I think competence should be about leadership mm -hmm. uh, because it's about leading people. So if you take academia, for example, um, you usually advance because you do really, really good research. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily make you a good leader to have lots of people under you. Mm. So I, I think it's a balance between the two, depending on your task. We might just take a few minutes uh, at some point today just thinking about what happened say during covid and yeah i'm thinking about trust and competence uh -huh. and as you know there's been a huge hoo-ha-ha -ha in the uk mm -hmm. 
as you know, about the lockdown files and COVID. But anyway, okay. Mm? Competence, super. Second one, Mm? remind me. Honesty. All right. Yeah. Yeah, say a bit more. And we could also link honesty to transparency. Uh, So, uh, again, if we go back to this uh, transaction with money, let's say that, oh, I will uh, take your money and I will invest them uh, and you will make this much profit, for example. And then I do something totally different and I lose your money. Mm -hmm. I haven't really been honest to you Mm -hmm. or transparent. So, of course, you will lose my trust or or, sorry, I will lose your trust. Um, So in terms of being a leader, for example, communication is really, really important. And it's also nice if you can say that, oh, I don't know this or I don't have this competence uh, because... Uh, then people will respect you more rather than trying to know something that you don't. Yeah. Well, just on that, that just to seize on that, Mm -hmm. going back to the British experience of COVID and what happened during the lockdown and the way that we are now beginning to learn, beginning to learn, so they weren't transparent fully, was that there was a lot of um, worthy science. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking as a non-scientist, but there was a lot of worthy science, which was often counterpointing the science that they were promoting publicly in favour of quite severe lockdown. Now, of course, you had a totally different approach in Sweden, didn't you? I mean, would you say the Swedes were really transparent? Was there a sense of honesty and openness in Sweden? I would say so much more, and especially in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, sadly, uh, or could, yeah, uh, as I say, sadly lacking in, uh, in, in the UK. Um, just say a bit more about that then, about the Swedish experience. So how, mm-hmm. how was that openness sort of transmitted uh, to, the, to the people? I think uh, it was transmitted uh, through take your own responsibility because, again, it becomes like a transaction, right? Uh, we give them our trust, but they also gave their trust to us, saying mm. that, you can be responsible for keeping a distance mm. or doing your things, but just be aware of these different uh, things. Uh, and that also gives people autonomy. Mm. Uh, so you get to decide for yourself. And that's also a way of, uh, how to say, promoting honesty, uh, letting someone else decide rather than just telling you uh, what to do. So if we go back, for example, to stratum versus amygdala, giving someone uh, autonomy stimulates straightum. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we want to approach. And then uh, we tend to listen to those types of advice much more rather than someone kind of forcing things upon us. I'm just thinking, uh, listening to you there, you, you just made me think of actually um, cultural uh, underlay here. Yeah. Because the way that you just described the, the Swedish experience, mm-hmm. for example, that, that sounded very sort of worthy and uh, uh, like a, a wise way to go. Yeah. And maybe the Scandinavian way, for example, is a, a little bit more open and empowering of the individual, for example. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, again, I'm, I'm no politician, mm-hmm. uh, no ambitions to be, but I think the British culture in that mm-hmm. sense in public life is the so-called, we say, nanny state, mm-hmm. as in... Uh, protective in a way that is well-intended but actually goes too far, is too fussy, ultimately becomes too restrictive Mm. and not making people feel like they have the individual mandate Mm. or the individual uh, authority to behave uh, as as the public uh, benefit would suggest. So maybe there's something in that culturally even. For sure. And I also think um, in Sweden... 
it is a very good country to live in. There are different systems that works in terms of education and healthcare. So in comparison to lots of other countries in the world, uh, it's a beautiful society to live in. And then that also creates trust in terms of if I give you my money and they are spent well, uh, that builds trust. Whereas if you pay high taxes, but you get no return, Mm. uh, you lose that type of trust. So I would say when they do these, how to say, global surveys of trust or um, how do you trust your political leaders, usually Sweden and also Scandinavia in general tends to Mm. uh, get pretty high on those lists. Super. And maybe just as a footnote, I mean, we've we've highlighted aspects of public and political life there, haven't we, together? Yeah. But maybe there's something in there for business leaders too, the, this idea of empowering, you know, individuals. And it's, it's a kind of maybe a, a modern, wise way of, of being. Um, I want to come back to the pillars because I, I, mm-hmm. my maths suggests that there's one more pillar to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think three minus one is one two. two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good to be with a brain person. No. Okay, seriously, Mr. Cambridge, mm-hmm. we have competence, we have honesty. Mm-hmm. Now, the third one, mm-hmm. I'm going to be cheeky and jump in a bit because mm-hmm. the, the English word, if I'm right, is benevolence. Yes. Correct. And before we unleash your formidable brain on this yeah. benevolence, I, I just want to clarify for our listeners, benevolence is actually quite a sophisticated English word. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's rooted in French, actually. But just so we're clear, the, the sense of benevolence is mm-hmm. sort of kindness, uh, generosity of spirit. Yeah, is and having fair? kind of your best interest at heart. There you go. Yeah. All right. Okay, so just say a little bit more then about benevolence within, mm-hmm. within the, the, the universe of trust. Yeah. Uh, so a classical uh, example of this is that um, imagine you, you and I, we are heading for lunch and then I'm like, oh, can we just stop at this place because I forgot my jacket? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, yeah, sure. And as we enter, all of your best friends are jumping out and being like, surprise, you know? So there is this surprise birthday party for you. Uh, Then I imagine that you would be super happy and be like, oh, this is so nice. Rather than telling me like, oh, Katerina, you lied to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You told me that you were supposed to get your jacket and now all of my best friends are here to celebrate my birthday. Um, So that kind of highlights that having someone's uh, best interest at heart overrides the other two. Yeah. Okay. I just want to put one other thing on the table here. So the the pillars, that's super clear. Yeah. Competence, honesty, benevolence. And I think we've got a sense of what, what, how, what is the walk and talk of that. I've also heard you talk about, in this context, uh, vulnerability loops. Yes. Right. Um, am I on the right track here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Just so, say, yeah. so that kind of builds uh, benevolence. So if uh, we are working together and then I'm telling you like, oh, this task is so difficult. I'm a bit lost. I don't really know what to do. If you then tell me, oh, you know, that's fine. The first time I did this, I also found it to be super difficult. Then I have uh, shown you that I'm vulnerable uh, and also uh, exposing my maybe lack of competence. Uh, But also if you confirm that it's okay that you don't know this and also that you had the same experience. uh, And I'm like, oh, it's so nice that you're telling me that, you know, how could we solve this problem? Then we are creating this positive loop mm-hmm. um, and this uh, enhances benevolence. 
I get it. And trust. So uh, this is this is emerging as a celebration of trust. It's like it's yeah. a it's a sort of superpower, right? Yeah. yeah. What goes on in our brains when trust is buzzing? You know, when when it's at its best, what's going on inside there? Yeah. So simplified, I would say that our reward structure is firing. Okay. And we are feeling like, wow, this is a very comfortable setting to be in. So it's something that's pleasant and something that I want to approach and kind of continuing approaching because it's pleasant. Whereas if we didn't do this, for example, if I said, oh, this is so difficult, I don't know what to do. And you would point out my incompetence and be like, what? You were hired to do this. And maybe you get a bit upset or angry. Then that would stimulate my amygdala. So then I would be like, oof, you know, here I try to open up to you. And it wasn't received well. So then you are kind of closing that door. Uh, so that will create an unpleasant feeling within me. Mm-hmm. And then I would rather avoid you or run away. So it's about the reward system, which yeah. I think is the stra- stratum? Stratum. Stratum. Yeah. Okay, okie dokie. And if, if people listening were saying, okay, so how, 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 how can I trigger the stratum? Yeah. You know? So are there any little tips or examples you can give for... Um, is it about um, demonstrating competence, honesty, benevolence or? Yeah. Is, 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 yeah? So, so those are the three pillars. Yeah. And then if you dive in a bit deeper, it's about being vulnerable and doing these types of uh, vulner- vulnerability loops in a positive way. But then also if we do things together. Uh, so as I'm from Sweden, I talk about the IKEA effect. <laughs> so um Uh, If you buy, for example, a bookshelf from Ikea and you need to spend time putting it together, then our brain will value that piece of bookshelf so much more uh, compared to if you had just gone out and, you know, gotten a Mm -hmm. finished bookshelf. And also if we do this together, uh, so you and I are mounting it, uh, then that creates this type of social glue. Okay. Um, and we will also value that type of effort. So that's another way to to strengthen it. So going back to being a business leader, it's good to have these types of dif- uh, different tasks that people work together on. So they are doing the idea. Building. Yeah, the yeah. idea of building something together would yeah. be the, the 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 headline there, creating that sense. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, don't even get me started on uh, IKEA experiences <laughs> as, as a Brit. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't always trigger your reward I, system, or <laughs> I wasn't born with a toolkit. Put it that way. Uh, Alrighty. So building together. Yeah. Um, just staying, just staying in the workplace for a moment. Yeah. In the world of work, um, I think you're you're aware of this source as well. I found quite an interesting um, Harvard Business article mm-hmm. to do with. Um, the performance and the experience and the feeling of people in teams yeah. when there is strong trust. Yeah. And some quite surprising elements there. I mean, I'm sure you can help me with the details, but yeah. even like, you know, less stress, I think even lower blood pressure. Yeah. I mean, my eyes were popping when I read this. Mm. Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, you are. And also in terms of money, if a company likes to have a greater turnover and perform better money-wise, that's also enhanced. And if we simplify, one can think of that when we are in a comfortable context, uh, that stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, So it's also called rest and digest. Okay. Uh, so that puts the body in a very good mode and it's very good to be there over time 
so that's the reason why you get lower um, stress hormones and why your body goes into a very good mood. That's actually promoting health. Uh, and this is versus if you don't have this, and we are simplifying, but uh, then it triggers the sympathetic system. So that's triggered by stress. Uh, mm. which distrust and all of these bad things are all about because it stresses us out. And then you kind of get the opposite effect. So uh, summarizing, I would say just putting the brain and the body in a very uh, calm, nice mode where we can rest and digest uh, enhances our performances uh, from different points of view. I, I was just thinking a little bit about um, you know, when, when as, as happens to all of us, we go off, we go off track with trust. Yeah. I'm thinking just from even personal experience. I mean, it's, is it fair to say when it goes wrong, yeah. it will be things like high emotions kick in. There's a very powerful, overwhelming individual agenda or emotion that then completely disrupts or sabotages trust yeah yeah is that fair to say yeah, yeah yeah and we can also view for example uh before when we talked about stratum and amygdala those are very primitive emotional structures whereas the frontal lobe it's the most advanced structure that we have in the brain and it actually distinguish humans from other animals mm -hmm. so um as you all remember this is the parent that could control these fighting is, children yeah. Uh, but when, for example, we get too stressed or too scared or whatever, and amygdala takes over, it's like the parent, the frontal lobe, gets super, super tired because these kids have been fighting uh, over and over and over. So it's like, okay, I'm checking out. And then you just have these primitive impulses that gets to flow. And that's the reason the why... And they're hard to resist yeah. by, by their very nature. Yeah, and also once you are in it, it's a bit like um, this funnel you were talking about. <laughs> that once you, how to say, get another mistake, it's just very easy to create a bad spiral. And yes, talking about that incident funnel. Yeah. Okay, so to put a, a kind of wrap on this, uh, is it possible with all of this incredible science underneath yeah. to three take-home messages uh, three take-homes, come on. Yes. Is it possible? Yes. So then it's all about the pillars. So then remember competence, honesty and benevolence. Okay, as simple as that. Yeah. But we're not quite finished. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> because uh, you might have heard a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, our lovely producer, mm -hmm. uh, Barrett, has this lovely idea. We've got some random questions. Yes. Sort of in a virtual hat. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there are 10 of them. Okay. And I'm reliably informed that you don't know what's coming. I'm going to have to get you to pick a number in a moment. Okay. Um, for today, because we know we've got, we've got serious talent in the microphone here, uh, we're going to give you a, a choice of numbers between four and ten. Four. You're going to pick four. Who are your idols in the world of communication and why? Oh, I was actually going to say Nikola Tesla, <laughs> just when you read the first part. Yes, who yeah. are your idols? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's spin that towards communication. How did he communicate his genius then, would you say? Oh, I think the um, inventions speak for themselves. Yeah. And I actually like that type of communication. Uh, when you just have something great, you don't need to dress it in words. It's just there. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in the shoes of a listener. I mean, Tesla, of course, resonates around the world for e-cars. E of course it does. But just remind people of the, the brilliance of the original uh, Tesla. I mean, he was way ahead of his time, right, as a scientist and inventor. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, lots of things that we are using today are originating from his inventions. So, for example, over 100 years ago, he talked about that we would have a kind of cell phone, you know, in our hands. And he did great research on uh, electricity. Exactly, and, yeah. Uh, and such. So his idea, and it said that there was this experiment where he could transfer electricity through the air uh, in the same sense that we have Wi-Fi today, but with electricity and that he could light up different light bulbs uh, that were very far away and such. Extraordinary. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Okay. It's, it's just... So we have Tesla the idol, uh, yes. yeah, an, an, an electric communicator. <laughs> boom, boom. All right. Uh, pick another number. Okay, between four and ten? Seven. Number seven. Oh. Okay. Oh, oh. What is the main thing people in your business world do wrong? And could you back that up with an example? Mm. Now, your business world is quite complex, so you get to choose from the complexity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but then I, I would say in entrepreneurship then, uh, sometimes we want to do a billion things and we want to create the perfect product. But then I would say the key here is to do one thing and do it, uh, how to say... Um, do it uh, quick and fail fast and early okay. rather than spending so much time creating something. And then okay. once you try it out, people are like, oh, maybe this is not what we wanted. So uh, stay with one thing that is super, super focused and then just try it out very Prototype early it. on. Mm. So you're celebrating uh, innovators method. Yeah. 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 Like prototyping and fail mm. and go again. Yes. Okay. Great stuff. One more. I think we have time for one more. Okay, <laughs> so you've done four and seven. Nine. Number nine. Oh, I like this one. Uh -oh. I, no, because you, you are a sunshine spirit, so <laughs> this, this could be good. What makes you hopeful in the world today? Thinking you maybe guys. <laughs> <laughs> No, thinking, say, communication intelligence or the communication world. But what makes you hopeful in the world today? But thank you, by the way. Yeah. No, but I would say uh, what we're talking about right now. So if we learn how things work in terms of the brain, we have the same brain today as we had 40,000 years ago. We can become more aware of these different types of functions and learn about the different play cards that we have. So we play the right card at the right time. So what I mean with the different cards is like if you have a toolbox, uh, we can learn that, you know, we have a hammer in the brain, we have a saw, we have a screwdriver. And in the same sense that we are not using the screwdriver all the time, uh, we can learn to use the hammer or the saw at the appropriate time. Fantastic. Did, did you experience any, any moments in, in the chat today where we were uh, doing the reward and the stre stratum? Were we, were we doing okay on trust? Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm just thinking about taking our own medicine as ergo ego. Yes. Like, how, 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 was, how, how did we do? How did we do? Not just me. How yeah, did we do? I, I think we did uh, great. I think we were dancing together. And if we didn't understand something, uh, we were asking about it and clarifying yeah. and being curious. Well, I mean, if I may, just to finish with a compliment, I mean, one of the things I mentioned about you in the introduction was uh, having a, a talent 
for making difficult things easy to understand. Yeah. And you most certainly have done that to, to this particular listener, and I'm sure for for many others. <laughs> so that yeah, that lovely skill of making the complex understandable, digestible. You know, it, yeah. that is the essence of communication intelligence. Huh? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.